0: Welcome to the Alliance Bible Church Podcast. We exist to be a healthy community living and sharing the good news of Jesus with neighbors and nations.
1: The priests, the Levites, and the gatekeepers, the singers, and some of the people, the temple servants, and all Israel lived in their cities. And when the seventh month came, the sons of Israel were in their cities. And all the people gathered as one man at the square, which was in front of the water gate, and they asked Ezra, the scribe, to bring the book of the law and Moses, which the Lord had given to Israel. Then Ezra, the priest, brought the law before the assembly of men, women, and all who could listen with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. And he read it from before the square, which was in front of the water gate from early morning until midday. (laughs) Have you tried reading the Bible around the dinner table when you have kids sitting there? (laughs) In the presence of men and women and those who could understand and all all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood at a wooden podium, which they had made for this purpose, and beside him stood all the elders. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. When he opened it, all the people stood up. Then Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen. Amen. While lifting up their hands, they bowed low and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also, uh, the rest of the elders remained in their place, and they read from the book of the law of God, translating to give the sense so that they understood the reading. Thus saith the Lord. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Miss Kathy, so much. Thank you. So a few weeks ago, I decided that a walk in the woods would be a good time f- for me to spend some time connecting with God. So I packed two water bottles, you know, one because I always have one and one because if you get lost, you should have an extra, uh, a sleeve of Ritz crackers, a granola bar, um, not like a protein bar, just like a Quaker chocolate chip granola bar, you know, um, and an apple because... Health matters. And and I started out on my three-quarter mile walk down to the MAC station, because all good trips to the woods start with a walk to the MAC station. You see, I decided that a walk in the woods was the way to go, but I also wanted some woods that if I got lost, I would be likely to be able to find my way back to civilization. And I had never walked in the Washington Park woods. Like, if we go to the zoo, And there are trees there, I suppose, but I never just actually been out on those trails in the Washington Park area. So I figured this would be a perfect opportunity. There's always people about. I won't get too lost, and there shouldn't be many bears because we're pretty close to the city. At least that was my hope. So the plan was to do like a four or five mile loop. Um... And on the Wynwood Trail, I glanced at a map on the internet, like after I ate breakfast before I left for the Mac Station. I felt totally almost prepared for my day. I'd spend the morning walking in the woods and praying, and then when I come to the zoo, we have a zoo membership, so I'd go in to that restaurant right there inside the gate and have lunch there and then read and study for the rest of my day. It was the perfect plan. Um, It wasn't raining. Great day. Uh, I got to Washington Park at about 930 by 11.30, I had eaten all my snacks, and I was lost. <laughs> and kind of sad, because I'd already eaten all my snacks, and I was lost. See, I was walking on the Windwood Trail, and the trails are marked really, really well near the zoo, and then the trails are marked pretty well as you get farther away from the zoo. And I was walking down this Windwood Trail, and I came to a T, and I thought, oh, a T, that's nice. I'll just follow the one marked Windwood Trail. And there was a sign, marked Winwood Trail, I was so excited it had arrows pointing both directions. I was less excited because, like, I know I want to be on the Woodwood Trail. I, I am, according to my last sign, and now it goes both ways, which doesn't help me at all. So I was getting hungry because, well, if I don't eat for like an hour and a half, I get hungry. I've been walking a lot. I didn't know how to get back to the zoo, so I did what any adventurer would do. I pulled out my phone, and I asked Google Maps how to get back to the zoo. I didn't care about the trails anymore. I walked on some trail for a bit. I walked on some road for a bit. I walked on some trail for a bit. I made it back to the zoo. And um, the zoo is remodeling everything, so the gift shop is actually not in the gift shop because they're remodeling that. The gift shop was in the restaurant that I was going to eat in, which means I couldn't eat in the restaurant because it was full of gift shop stuff. So I was still hungry and I had to wait longer to eat. I, I got on the max and I headed toward home and I got off somewhere in Beaverton around 1.30 and I wandered over to a coffee shop, uh, Jim and Patty's, and they served breakfast until two and I was in line at like 1.45. So, so I got biscuits and gravy, it turned out okay, but I ate lunch like three hours later than I planned to. I, I was hungry. Hey there, my name is Wayne. Thank you so much for spending some time this morning with us as we gather to praise God's name, pray together, and proclaim his word. As humans, we hunger for many things. Maybe you've never been lost in the woods and missing lunch because you ate your snacks too early and didn't take enough snacks. I also tend to say I went for a walk because, like, hikers die in the woods. If you're just walking in the woods, you'll probably be okay. So, I'm not a hiker just like to walk in the woods. There are times that my son Josiah will be finished with dinner, but then he'll tell us that he's hungry for ice cream or cookies. He'll, he'll claim to have multiple stomachs, and it seems the vegetable stomach is very small. It doesn't hold a lot. But the ice cream stomach, we got we always got room in there. Sometimes I hunger for certainty. I don't want to walk through the unknown. Instead of seeking God and trusting His goodness, my hunger is for answers or for an easy path. As we walk through this time of transition, we can hunger for stability. Instead of seeking what God would have, we can seek stability. When we were students, we would hunger for good grades, some of us, I've heard. Striving hard, I wasn't too concerned about my grades. I, I can't get away with comments like that when my parents are here. So, But we strive so hard to accomplish what we see is the most important thing right now. So the question that we'll start with today is that first question in your handout if you're following along. What are you hungry for? What are you hungry for? What are we looking to to find satisfaction? We'll be in Nehemiah chapter 8 this morning and we'll start in verse 1. Uh, Miss Kathy, thank you for reading and summarizing. I felt like just going to sit down. You could have, you could have finished, and it would have been great. Um, so to catch us up to where we are in chapter eight, Zerubbabel and Ezra returned and rebuilt the temple. Um, that started about 13 years before the passage we get to today. And recently, Nehemiah has returned and spent the last couple of months with a team of people rebuilding the wall. They've seen God's favor at work as the exiles have returned. To Jerusalem. These people are are returning to settle in the land that God had promised and given to their ancestors. We'll read verses 1 through 3. When the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people gathered together at the square in front of the water gate. They asked the scribe Ezra to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had given Israel. On the first day of the seventh month, the priest Ezra brought the law before the assembly of men, women, and all who could listen with understanding. While he was facing the square in the front of the water gate, he read out of it from daybreak until noon before the men, the women, and those who could understand. All the people listened attentively to the book of the law. The book of the Law of Moses contained, if not its entirety, at least a large portion of what we would call the Pentateuch, or the first five books of the Bible Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Men, women, and kids old enough to understand gathered to hear the word of the Lord being read for hours. These folks hadn't had a whole lot of access to the scriptures, but when they were read, the scriptures were read to them and they stood inside the recently completed walls of Jerusalem, these folks listened. They listened attentively. Your next blanks there, ease of access can create apathy. I always have access to the Bible, right? I have copies in my office. I have copies in my home. I have a little orange New Testament that the Gideons left somewhere, and I grabbed because it's orange, and I like orange, (laughs) Right? like I always have access to a paper copy of the Bible. Plus, like, how many of you have the Bible on your cellular telecommunications device, right? I have the Bible app where I can read any language that I want and I can listen to it when I run, when I walk, when I go to bed. Um, I have it in my Kindle app in case I want to read that version because I have a version there that doesn't have verses or chapter numbers. It just has the books of the Bible and you can read it through more as a story. I have... My Logos Bible software with the Bible, its languages, its commentaries on my phone, on my iPad, I always have access to the scriptures. And because of that, I think sometimes I just take it for granted. Like it works this way with like food too, right? Like I have never eaten a meal to not starve. Like I am as picky as a 10-year-old. I eat what I want to because it's delicious not because I need to. But that can make me less grateful and less aware of how amazing the food, God's provision, is for me. And I think it's the same with the scriptures. We have access to God's word, yet sometimes I go through my day or my week without giving it much thought. I'm so used to having it always there that I don't value it for what it is. The people were back in the promised land. They had heard the stories of what God had done. They had lived through a time of exile. When Ezra stood and read from the scriptures, they were all ears. They were ready to hear and obey the law of the Lord. We'll continue reading verses 4 through 6. The scribe Ezra stood on a high wooden platform made for this purpose. Mattathiah, Shema, Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Messiah stood beside him on his right. To his left were Padiah, Mishael, Malkijah, Hashem, Hashbadana. He's my favorite. I, I don't know him. I just like his name. Zechariah and Meshulam. Ezra opened the book in full view of all the people since he was elevated above everyone. As he opened it, all the people stood up. Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and with their hands uplifted, all the people said, Amen, Amen. Then they knelt low and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Ezra stood with other leaders and read from God's word. There was a special platform built. It was, it was an exciting day for the people of Israel. And the people stood with raised hands and responded, Amen, Amen, which means, let it be so. And then they knelt down. And they worshipped. The response to the reading of Scripture was one of worship. The raising of the hands showed the people's dependence on God. And prostrating yourself, laying down, demonstrated their humility before God. And was common in the Near East to lay down, to prostrate, to kneel before kings and those in authority. Your next blanks there, their response to hearing God's word was praise. The response to hearing God's word was praise. I think both of these postures are still valid when we worship today. Raising our hands in surrender and praise to God and bowing before our King and Creator are outward expressions that we can use in worship of our God. Now, as a worship leader, sometimes you look out and you see people raising their hands or, or kneeling or clapping, and it, and it makes you feel like they're engaged and And while the outward expression can't necessarily show what's in the heart, I believe that God wants us to worship with all that we are. Um, One of my favorite times of worship in a church actually happened in the woods, surprising, down the street from the church. So the worship leader probably thought he was failing, that because people are leaving during the song, Um, but I didn't want to worship in the church that day. I wanted to walk in the woods and sing the same song he was leading, so I, I did that, and I came back and I apologized to him later because uh, I was on staff at the church at the time, and I walked out during worship. and He's like, "Oh, that's that's weird." So while we can't we can't gauge whether or not you're worshiping by your outward expression, I believe that our outward expression is part of how we worship. I believe that raising our hands is seen throughout the Psalms and throughout Scripture. I believe that bowing, that clapping, uh, hitting symbols our ways that we worship God. So if anybody wants a symbol for the last song, just come on up and you can stand next to me. I'd really be okay with that if you want to. We'll pick up reading in verse seven. Jeshua, Benai, Sherebiah, Jamin, Jacob, Shabbatai, Hodiah, Messiah, Kalita, Azariah, Jarzabad, Hanan, and Peleah who were Levites, explained the law to the people They stood in their places. They read out of the book of the law of God, translating and giving the meaning so that the people could understand what was read. Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to all of them, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people were weeping as they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go and eat what is rich, drink what is sweet, and send portions to those who have nothing prepared, since today is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And the Levites quieted all the people, saying, Be still, since today is holy. Don't grieve. Then all the people began to eat and drink, send portions, and have a great celebration, because they had understood the words that were explained to them. We see that the initial response of the people of Israel is weeping, is mourning. They have heard what the word of the Lord says, and they are grieved, which is a fine and a proper response. When God's word convicts us of sin or shows us areas that we're failing at, our hearts should be broken before him. But Ecclesiastes 3 tells us that there is an occasion for everything, and a time for every activity under heaven. It then goes on to list some of those activities And this day in Israel's history was not a day to mourn or to weep, but a day to celebrate. Three times the people are told that today is holy or sacred. This day was set apart to celebrate the Lord and what he had done. Verse 10 says, do not grieve because the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The next blank, the process is hard. But we don't have to rely on our own strength. The wall was completed, but the journey wasn't over for those who had returned from exile. But God promises that his joy will be their strength in the midst of their trials. The road from this point on for Israel, for for these exiles, wasn't easy. But God had promised that he would be their strength Matthew Henry says of this verse, holy joy will be oil to the wheels of our obedience. They heard the word and they obeyed, and and the joy of Christ allows us to obey out of love. When we find joy in him and his word, we will want to obey his word. It won't be a burden or a chore or a duty, but an act of love. In Psalm 1, it says, how happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners, or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in its season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Are we hungry for God's word? Do we delight in it? Do we spend time meditating on it, reading it over and over Miss Kathy, already gave you an application for today. Go home and spend an hour or two reading Nehemiah straight through in one sitting. Do we delight in God's word? We also see in verses 7 through 12 that the scriptures were explained to the people. Your next blank there, understanding what was taught led to action. The scriptures were probably written in an old Hebrew. These people probably spoke Aramaic. So Levites were translated and explaining, and then these people celebrated with fine foods and sweet drinks, sharing with those in need, because they had understood the words that were explained to them. We'll read verses 13 through the end of the chapter. On the second day, the family heads of all the people, along with the priests and Levites, assembled before the scribe Ezra to study the words of the law. They found written in the law how the Lord had commanded through Moses that the Israelites should dwell in shelters during the festival of the seventh month. So they proclaimed and spread this news throughout their towns and in Jerusalem, saying, Go out to the hill country and bring back branches of olive, wild olive, myrtle, palm, and other leafy trees to make shelters just as it is written. The people went out brought back branches, and made shelters for themselves on each of their rooftops, and courtyards, the court of the house of God, the square by the water gate, and the square by the Ephraim gate. The whole community that had returned from exile made shelters and lived in them. The Israelites had not celebrated like this from the days of Joshua, son of Nun, until that day. And there were and there was tremendous joy. Ezra read out of the book of the law of God every day from the first day to the last. The Israelites celebrated the festival for seven days, and on the eighth day there was an assembly according to the ordinance. We can read more about the, the feast of shelters, the feast of booths, the feast of tabernacles in Deuteronomy 16 and Leviticus 23. The people would dwell in booths to remind them of the time that they spent in the wilderness. They'd seen the Lord provide for 40 years, and they could trust that he would continue to provide. This this Feast of Booths and Feast of Tabernacles was a way to remember that time in the wilderness, and God being their tent, God being their refuge. They learned more about this feast when the heads of the families came together and studied the words of the law. Your next blank there, a hunger for God's word leads to more than a casual reading reading meditating on journaling through scripture those are vital steps in taking in god's word but sometimes we need to really dig deep and study study bibles commentaries and bible dictionaries are great tools to help us get more out of scripture i don't speak greek hebrew aramaic or english very well but i can read i mean i know most of the words that i need but There's big ones that I trip on. But I can read books by smarty-pants people who can speak those other languages. And while sometimes this can feel academic and not like spending time with the creator of the universe, hopefully knowing the scriptures better will lead to me loving God more and my life being more aligned with his calling I think it's important to read the whole of Scripture and see the whole story all the way through. I also think it's great to just sit with and soak in and study a portion of Scripture. These folks studied. They saw something in Scripture. And then they acted. They could have been like, well, it's too late this year, but next year we'll start planning about a month ahead of time. We'll go out to the hills Get our our olive branches, our wild olive branches, our palm branches, and we'll make shelters in the square next year. But they didn't. They didn't put off obeying God's word. They saw what the Lord had commanded, and they acted. They were hungry for God's word. Can I ask you guys a question? Thanks. How often do you eat? You can answer daily, right? I, I tend to eat three or four meals a day, sometimes five. I, I do like to eat. Now, how hungry do you guys think I would get if I ate twice a week? Like even if those are amazing meals, like, like today my parents are taking me to lunch um, and they're going to buy me whatever I want because they love me and I'm their favorite middle child. And so let's say I, I eat and I eat and I eat today. And then on Wednesday, let's say we have my neighbors over and I eat then too. I wouldn't be a very happy person. I wouldn't have a lot of energy if if twice a day, as good as the meals were, if that's all I ate. Miss Kathy let us know that she reads the Bible every day. That's good. I eat every day too, physically, and, and we should... Spiritually, none of us would go through a week, I would hope, choosing to have two meals, even if they're great meals. We come together on Sunday morning, we hear God's word, and hopefully it's a good meal. And maybe you're in a a small group or a Bible study that meets during the week, and that's a great time in the scriptures. But if that's your only time in the scriptures, you won't be healthy, you won't be growing, you won't be thriving. In Matthew 4, we read about Jesus being tempted by the devil. And the worship team can come back to the platform at this time. Matthew 4, verse 1 says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Duh. Then the tempter approached him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. He answered, it is written, man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus was physically hungry, right? He hasn't eaten in 40 days. It makes me hungry to think about not eating for 40 days. And we see later in Jesus' ministry that he turns water into wine. He also turns a little bit of fish and bread into a lot of fish and bread, twice with leftovers. I believe Jesus has the power to make bread out of rocks. But his answer is, quoting from Scripture, man shall not live by bread alone, but on the word of God. Your last blanks there, his word provides life. What are we hungry for? Let's pray together. Father God, I love you. I thank you for your word. God, That you've spoken to us through Scripture. God, that we can read it, that we can study it. God, I don't always want to, but God, I pray that you would give me a desire, God, give me a longing for the truth of your word, God, that I would know you more and live for you. God, as we walk through this season of transition as a church, I pray that, that we would seek you, God, that we would know your word more and that we would trust in your goodness. God, that we wouldn't seek necessarily what you have for us, but as we seek you, that you would continue to provide. God, I pray that you would go with us this week Go with us in your grace and your mercy. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you for checking out the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it. For more information, you can visit alliancebible.church.